welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 219th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 719th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of July 8th, 2021. I am your host, the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. This week's banner moment occurred last Thursday, July 1st, when all Indiana athletes and athletes across the country were permitted to pursue name, image, and likeness deals for their personal brands. This is a big change in the college landscape and provides opportunities for athletes to earn money for the time and effort they put forth while on campus. Indiana uh, Athletics has been ahead of the game for over a year in preparation for the NIL activity. contacting and contracting with companies and talking uh, inside about uh, videos and, and pictures and Instagram stories and all of that for a year. This is something to be very proud of as a fan of Indiana University. Uh, Open Doors uh, provides Indiana athletes with the assistance and direction that will be needed to ensure that the NIL is a positive experience for both the players and the university. The objective, however, is still to win games and be competitive on the playing courts and the playing fields. Indiana, I believe, is poised to ensure that this happens while helping athletes move forward in their careers, both academically and financially. These are good times. Welcome to the NIL world of college uh, athletics. Okay, let me introduce my esteemed co-host for tonight. First to my left. You'll have fun, fun, fun. 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 It's good to have Andy Bottoms back. Well, we took uh, the July 4th weekend off, so welcome to everyone back after two weeks. Uh, and it's nice to get back and talk a little bit of uh, college basketball, especially Indiana basketball. Andy, your thoughts uh, on this July night? Yeah, my thoughts on the NIL stuff, and I know we're going to talk about that a decent amount tonight. Um, but but we, I think our thoughts are, are relatively similar, just in terms of of how much IU has has been a little bit on the leading edge of this. I think they announced even when it was coming that they were putting together a team of folks together with uh, that Galen has been involved in as well. Just really trying to get out in front of it and educate the student athletes on. Uh, what the options are, and you've seen a lot of uh, of posts. I think from multiple sports teams that I follow on social media this week, having Altius, Altius. I'm not sure what the right way to say that the company is kind of just educating uh, the players on on what that you know what their options are and and kind of how to navigate through that. So I think that um, is an exciting thing and and something that is a potential you know selling point from a recruiting standpoint of just the framework that IU is trying to put in place to to make. Uh, make those folks successful, and, and I think a good example of that um, is is Miller Cop. He he came out last week and had a series of tweets and and just kind of talked about how he, uh, you know, what his goals were with it, which were one, be authentic, two, tell my story, three, engage, and four, align, and kind of went into a little bit of detail on those. And uh, you know, so this week he's uh, put out a, his first vlog um, that was interesting and starts to give a little bit of behind the scenes type stuff. 
that I think we as fans and, and other fans of the program have wanted to get. So I'm interested to see where that goes, but it seems like uh, he's taken a, a pretty tactful approach to what he wants to do and how he wants to do it. Uh, so I think that has, uh, I think that has some benefit. And again, if you see, you know, more players doing things like that, other things that give you opportunities to get to know these guys a little bit and what they believe in and what they uh, endorse and and some of those things. I think that's a positive thing for the program. We've, we've talked so many times about that of you see some of these features that get written about other places and other schools give additional access and things like that um, that really allow you to get to know these guys. Um, at least in Miller's case, feels like it's a, a chance to get to know him and get some behind the scenes stuff. So I think that can only be a positive uh, for the the program and things like that. So interested to see where it goes. It was a flurry of activity right at the beginning. And now I think everybody's settling in, trying to figure it out and uh, it'll be interesting discussion as we uh, talk about a little bit later as well. Yeah, just uh, it opened up and you, and you saw a lot of stuff uh, hit in this first week. And I, I just think it's, it's good. I, I know uh, as a old veteran, uh, you know, I, I like the way things were, and and it's kind of hard to move forward. But there's so much money in the college uh, athletics right now that I think it's it's good to open up uh, and allow some of these athletes to benefit from the hard work that they they put in, and and be able to do some things that other students uh, are able uh, to do. Uh, one of my uh, Delphi graduates uh, is a freshman at IU and he's running a paving company this summer making money so he can go back to IU and, and spend money in the Bloomington community that's that that hasn't been available uh for athletes um to, to make that kind of money so I I'm on board and we'll talk more about that in in segment two but here's what we're going to cover uh this week we have some Hoosier headlines uh our main topic will be the NIL the opening week of NIL and then of course we'll answer your questions have some subscriber shout outs uh, and in segment three, all of that coming up this week on Assembly Call Radio. Uh, we don't have an advertisement for you, but I will take the time to say, uh, take care of who's your nation. Uh, put all the differences aside. Take care of each other. Uh, make sure you're uh, supporting everyone. Uh, we, we, the Tonsonis, have had a great uh, amount of support this uh, summer as, as we face some health issues in our family, uh, and I look forward to passing that on. So I challenge everyone, as long as it's not Purdue people, uh, make sure you're taking care of Indiana people. Uh, but if they have some connection to Purdue, you just let someone else take care of them. But seriously, think about ways that uh, you can reach out to people in your community, uh, in the Hoosier community, uh, and do something for them. That would be uh, great uh, if we all did that. So here we go. Let's uh, hit some Hoosier headlines. Uh, uh, scheduling news, IU draws Syracuse for the ACC Big Ten Challenge. That'll be an interesting matchup in year one of Coach Woodson's regime. And then a lot of uh, decisions about who's staying and going uh, in the Big Ten. We'll run through them here real quick. Ohio State, um, Liddell stays. Washington is gone. Uh, Iowa loses uh, Joe Wieskamp. Uh, Illinois, uh, Kofi Coburn uh, is staying and not going to the NBA, but he's in the transfer portal, so he may leave Illinois. Rutgers had a big week with Geo Baker and Ron Harper coming back. Uh, Maryland, Daryl Morsell transfers to Marquette. Wiggins stays uh, in the draft, uh, so they lost a couple players there. And Michigan, uh, Dickinson returns, and they had a transfer from, I think, Coastal Carolina. I, I don't know his name, but he pulled his name out of uh, – that uh, officially Miller Cop also pulled his name out of 
of the draft as well. So we're starting to see the rosters solidify. Uh, I'm not sure how many more decisions uh, will come down, uh, but I do think some of those uh, will affect the competitiveness of the of the Big Ten. I think Rutgers gets better, and I think Maryland um, uh, and Illinois drop a little bit with some of those uh, decisions. So we can talk about that. Uh, Jalen Hood Shafino, the number 26 recruit, took an official visit in late June, and from all reports, it, it, it went well, as a lot of these visits are going well. Pretty impressive from Coach Woodson, uh, his start in the recruiting trail. Remember, he's not going to win all of all of them. He still could do a good job having them on on campus and talking to him, but it seemed like uh, when people are coming to Indiana, they're pretty impressed. Uh, it's just Coach Butchin just got in the game here recently. He's going up against uh, uh, longer recruiting periods and, and other big schools. Stick with the belief with Coach Woodson. I think he'll pull down some good recruits recently. Andy, uh, of those headlines, uh, what what grabs your attention right off um, tonight? Well, I mean, most of it's a Big Ten stuff. I'll touch quickly on the the Big Ten ACC thing. You know, we had some discussion about it. I think the last time that you and Ryan and I were on, um, so our notion that IU would get a home game in that and the kind of alternating piece piece of things did not happen. Uh, so they go on the road, uh, be a tough environment, play Syrac- play Syracuse. It'll be uh, obviously an interesting test based on history uh, in terms of what Mike Woodson's offense looks like against the zone and. Uh, and things like that, but at least you've got Xavier Johnson, a guy who's who's a little bit familiar with it from uh, playing in the ACC, and uh, so that'll be a good a good early test. We talked about wanting him to be able to have at least one road game, true road game. Uh, this one will certainly fit the bill for that, and uh, should provide a, a pretty good early test uh, for the team. So, uh, go ahead. I will tell you that, and you know this too, Syracuse. If you're going to get Syracuse, get them early. Um, that doesn't mean that Indiana is going to go into the Carrier Dome and win because the 2-3 zone is tough to prepare for, especially the way they play it and they do a good job. But it seems they get more in tune defensively as the year goes on. They, they get more in tune offensively once they find their shooter and get in a rhythm. Uh, and then they make that late run from us bracketologists, whether they're in or out and, and at what seed every year, Syracuse, um, they seem to go on a run late in the year. So if there's any time for Indiana to play a Syracuse, it's probably in November uh, where you might be getting them um, just figuring out uh, how to put all the pieces together. Still will be a tough uh, road environment uh, for the Hoosiers. Thoughts on uh, yeah, some, I mean, one some thing, of the oh, – one thing you One thing you like potentially <clears> – <throat> Sorry, give me a second. You go ahead. I, I just it's um it's not the team that I wanted to see in the ACC challenge. I, I don't mind playing tougher teams, but that zone uh, I could have done without that for Coach Woodson in year one, year two or three uh, would have been good. But um, again, don't back away from a challenge. Yeah, I think one thing that um, may may work in IU's favor is a lot of times the zone Syracuse prone to giving up offensive rebounds. Guy having a guys like Trace and Race, I think that at least might play a little bit into IU's strength um, uh, uh, in that regard. but um, And then in terms of the Big Ten stuff, uh, it, I think most of those moves were, you know, as I look over the list, not terribly surprising. You know, so uh, the, the Ohio State stuff, I think that's where most people had netted out that Washington was probably going to go after he performed well in some of the pre-draft stuff and, and Liddell was going to stay. I think Wieskamp uh, – I don't know that that one shocked me at all, but I would certainly takes a pretty big step back in that regard. And then yeah, the, the Kofi Coburn piece is interesting. I was listening to a couple of different podcasts today in the college basketball world, both the CBS one and the, the three man weave. And, you know, they both talked a little bit about similar things. There's a lot of ties with him to Kentucky based on the assistance going there, but they also 
picked up Oscar Sheway from West Virginia uh, in the middle of the year last year. Um, and so it's like, are you really going to go there and fight for minutes and not play as much as you would think that you would, even if you don't want to go back to Illinois where you'd really be, you know, it'd be him and Curbelo. Um, it, I, I don't, it seem it would seem like an odd choice to go to Kentucky for him as from a, a, a long-term move standpoint. Um, obviously some familiarity there with those guys. So it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. Uh, Rutgers, I think I speak for most IU fans when, um, I don't know that I'm surprised that, that uh, Baker a little bit. Um, I, I don't know when the Harper news came through. Uh, I, I think IU fans have probably seen enough of those two guys <laughs> over the past few years. Uh, and they're not making at times. So I, I wasn't overly thrilled with that, although they lost some other pieces, uh, with Jacob Young and Miles Johnson, both being gone. Uh, the Maryland one, I think probably is the team that, that slides the most, uh, in the standings, at least you really had that, uh, you know, their, their kind of trio of guys in large part last year was more Wiggins and then Eric Alla, uh, Dante Scott was, was good as well. Um, and so they lose two of those, two of those three wing guys. They did pick up Wahab from Georgetown and, uh, Fats Russell from Rhode Island. So they still got a decent lineup, but I think their, um, their depth certainly takes a hit with losing two of those three guys, as opposed to, um, you know, maybe you lose one of them and return two of the three as opposed to just one. So I think they're probably the one that dips a little bit the most where I think if everybody comes back or most of those guys come back, they're maybe in that, at least in that top tier discussion with Michigan, Ohio State, Purdue. Now I think they probably slide back to that next tier with, you know, maybe Michigan State. Maybe that's where IU falls in, some of those kinds of things. So I think they're the one that's probably impacted the most um, by the by the departures, but a lot of moving pieces. I I think the, at least the, all the draft decisions are made. You still got transfer portal stuff to deal with as you start figuring out what rosters are. But it's we're getting closer to having an idea who's actually going to suit up for which team. Uh, and I, as I look at, I agree with you that Maryland, uh, in some places, has been projected to be a top one or two team in the Big Ten if everyone came back. Well, everyone didn't come back, so I, I do think they slide down into that middle tier, as you said. I think Rutgers is the team that everyone had pushed down to the bottom tier, the last five or six in the Big Ten, uh, without Baker and Harper. That they get those two back, they still lose the big center Miles Johnson to UCLA. Um, but Rutgers, um, if they get fans back in the rack, that's a tough environment, and they just are a physical, tough team um, that I think – I don't think they're going to be a top-tier team, but they can they can beat you at home and, and put pressure uh, on you at the road. I think they move up into a, a tournament contention uh, team uh, with, with, with that news. The Illinois stuff is uh, – Kofi Coburn was great at Illinois. I don't, I don't understand that move. Um, you know, and and then you you wonder, um, you know, what's going on uh, there with you know Coach Underwood. I, I think he does a good job. I know he's real tough, uh, and he is a, a little bit of a throwback coach. Um, but that that's a surprising transfer to me. I think Wieskamp uh, pushes Iowa down. I, I think they're just going to struggle without their top outside scorer, and obviously Luca Garza is gone. But I think uh, Ohio State, Michigan, uh, th- those moves were were thought. I still think they're going to be top of the of the Big Ten. Um, th- you know, there, there's just some interesting things we haven't really. I don't think we've really discussed the stuff that's gone on with Greg Gard at Wisconsin. Uh, the the taped recording that came out um, from a coach. I think that absolutely stinks when you have a meeting with your team and someone tapes record it and set out. I, I think that's that's awful, and, and that stuff should be. Uh, kept in-house, um, but I also think that you can watch uh, Wisconsin start to struggle here because I don't know how you recover. If two years in a row 
uh, you're having meetings and people are transferring out and you apologize two years in a row and, and you didn't start making changes and a predominant number of players on your team think that they're not valued. That's not just one guy not playing or, or one guy you got mad at and kicked out of practice one day. Um, that's going to be hard to go into homes um, and, and recruit to Wisconsin. And they, they'd never pulled the, the, the greatest athletes out anyway. So it's going to be interesting to see what goes on at, at Wisconsin. So, yeah, I echo there's a lot of things, you know, coming and going, and things will start to settle here as, as we get to August and September when, when school starts. And then the other thing I'll ask you, Andy, about is everyone loves their transfers and doesn't like the other team's transfers, right? So when you when you look at the Indiana Hoosiers, you're like, oh, this transfer can do this, and this transfer we got an influx of talent. And then you look at you know um, Fats Russell at Maryland, I, he's not he's not really good. He comes from Rhode Island, and and the Wahib guy from Georgetown couldn't play, so he's not going to help them. The interesting thing from my vantage point, and I'm interested to see your take on this, is. When those games start in November to see which transfers meet uh, those expectations and really add value to these programs and which ones come in and, and don't get it done. Uh, and obviously the teams that made the better decisions and the players uh, move forward are, are going to reap the benefits of it and move up the standings. Yeah, it's it's a lot like uh, it's a lot like recruiting, right, where you, you, guys could be really talented, but if they don't end up in the right system or a system that suits what they can do the 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 typical response can be well this guy's just overrated he shouldn't have been ranked that high anyway when maybe he didn't do a good job of of figuring out where he needed to go and how he could best utilize his ability and i think the transfer stuff is the same where you try to to envision you know who's going to look who's going to fit into these different systems and in some cases you don't really have a great handle on that and um and and you also have guys commit with different impressions of who's going to be there so um the the guys going to maryland as an example you know do they have some inclination that those guys are going to be gone or does or or do them not being there now make things a little bit harder for wahab or does that put more pressure on fats russell to do things that maybe he doesn't you know didn't want to do from you know, from an efficiency standpoint, he hasn't been an overly efficient player because he's used a ton of possessions at, at Rhode Island. Does all of a sudden he is he thrust back into that at now a higher level of play in the Big Ten and, and some of those kinds of things? And then um, I forget what the example the guys on the the three man weave threw out. Oh, I know what it was. It was it was Kansas. So they pick up Remy Martin from Arizona State, and they they got a transfer. Um, uh, Ochefu, I think, or Shefu, somebody they got from from uh, Drake Creighton. No, Drake. Sorry, yep. and uh, a, a school that was blue and white. I was close. Yeah. Um, and and uh, and, and you know they got him. He he comes in thinking he's going to step into minutes, and all of a sudden, Ogbaji comes back. Um, you know, Remy Martin transfers in. Like, what does that look like? So I think some of these get are really hard to tell. That can look really good at the time when they commit. And then once the the dust settles and you figure out the pieces who are actually around them, it might look a whole lot different and, and than some of those things. But I th- I think there will you know some of these transfers. I think Wahab has a chance to be uh, an important player there. Could really give them a post presence. He played well uh, as Georgetown got into the tournament um, by playing well in the Big East tournament. I, I'm a little bit more skeptical on on Russell just because of his efficiency numbers at a. A, a lower level of basketball and some of those things, but yeah, you don't really, 
Um, you don't really know. You got guys that can be under recruited. You think of Duncan Robinson even coming in and playing so well at Michigan. He transferred from a whole different level of college basketball, but he was a perfect fit for what they needed. They ran stuff for him, and now he's making a ton of money in the NBA as a spot up shooter and doing those kinds of things. So it's really all about fit as much as it is anything. And you know, some of these you can't really assess the fit as well. You can assess the system fit, but you can't really assess their role fit until all these other dominoes fall, which were. There's fewer left to fall, but there's still some. And that's why I think it's great to to have the two games in the Bahamas uh, for the Indiana program, all the coaches working together and figuring that out, all the players coming in. So you have a new system with a bunch of transfers. Uh, I, I think you get those 10 extra practices. Uh, so inside the program, you can figure that out uh, before, uh, you know, us uh, uh, analysts uh, do. So, um, well, and I, I think, I think with IU, I, and, and we'll use this to, I'd like a couple people in the chat talking about uh, talking about Purdue a little bit. I think with IU, there was a lot of roster turnover, but there hasn't been any changes here in the last, I don't remember when Durr signed, but that was really kind of the last um, moving piece. So you're, you're tempted at times to now sit there. And I think some, some people could sit back and be like, man, it'd be great if, you know, we had a scholarship open because this guy just went in the portal or this guy did whatever. Well, it might be true, but it also is good where the roster has been a little bit solidified and granted these guys haven't all played together, but you've been able to get everybody on campus and, and start to build some of that without those unknown pieces of, Hey, tomorrow somebody else is walking in the door because he was, he was out there. And I think some of that speaks a little bit to the, uh, to, you know, some of the, the Purdue stuff out there where of any of the big 10 teams, they've had easily the least roster turnover since last year, at least from teams that were toward the top of the league. And I think that, almost automatically puts them uh, toward the top of the projections this year where they had, you know, I think, I think Ivy might've put his name in the draft for a little bit, but um, you know, didn't leave it there. Travion Williams went in, but I think everybody's impression was that he was going to come back. So they really have a lot of continuity. And that's been one of the things that just year over year as painters kind of had the program has been a success that, you know, one of their success factors in terms of being able to, to have some of that consistency. So I used had it for about four weeks, I guess, probably with the players there, but I guess when you, maybe you compare it to some of these other teams that there's still a little bit of a revolving door, maybe, maybe even having that little bit of time where you can build up to those games in August and then build from those until the season actually starts that, that, that can be some benefit as well. And we're all just overexcited with the, with coach Woodson and the new staff and the new direction of, of seeing how this all plays out, but we're starting to see what the competition's going to be like. And that's always, always good. So, um, coming up on assembly call radio, we're going to talk name, image, and likeness, uh, from a couple guys that aren't necessarily lawyers or agents and well-versed in it, but we're going to talk about what, what we've heard and seen. So stick with us here on the assembly call. Hi, this is Jawan Morgan. What's the only thing better than getting IU's first triple-double in 47 years? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Welcome back to the assembly call. How do you keep up with the fire hose of information that comes out almost every day about IU basketball? 
It's crazy during the off-season, and it's even crazier during the season. Well, we've got your back. We send out a free weekly email newsletter on Sunday mornings. It rounds up the most important and interesting IU basketball stories from the previous week to keep you up to date on your Hoosiers. Over 8,000 of your fellow IU fans are on the list, and we want you to be on there too. So go to join.assemblycall.com to subscribe for free now. That's join.assemblycall.com. You can also text IU to 66866. That's IU to 66866. Okay, I'm the coach, Brian Tonsoni, here with Andy Bottoms. And uh, besides the, the opening up of the recruiting and coaches back in gyms across the country, the name, image, and likeness uh, has gone wide open as of July 1st. We've been a week in. Um, and we both talked about it in our openings. Um, but let's just sum up uh, our initial thoughts of, of what this first week has been from our viewpoint as commentators and fans uh, with the name image likeness. Go ahead. Yeah, I think for, for me, there was obviously the flurry right when, um, you know, the NCAA and their infinite wisdom waited till the last possible moment to really announce anything or do anything about what had been coming for quite some time, but um, I, I think there was kind of the initial flurry and interest from everybody of, Hey, are we going to see a bunch of people doing something? And I think some of the, on the football side, you may see guys move a little bit quicker just because the season is, is sooner. Um, I know some of the guys have come out and kind of designed logos. This is not really an IU thing, but um, I know like Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma was one of the first ones that, you know, had his own logo and different stuff like that. So I think you saw a little bit, quicker movement on some of those things. Um, but from an IU perspective, I don't think there's been uh, a ton of things. And I don't know if that's just a, you know, folks with the athletic department saying, Hey, let us go through some of the educational pieces that we talked about before and make sure we're setting you up for success in this and, and get these things in place. So don't go jump into a bunch of stuff um, right out of the gate. Um, but I think even in general, it doesn't seem like there's been a ton of, people outside of those first couple of days that you've really seen. So I think you saw a lot of news really kind of bubble up as that happened. Um, but I think now it feels like players are just trying to figure out what their options really are and what are some different things they can do. And I think that that feels like a good thing to me in terms of not jumping in and saying, Hey, I'm going to go take every, everybody that comes to me, I'm going to go do something. And at the end I got 15 different things that I'm endorsing and doing, doing whatever it feels like they're, sitting back and trying to understand different pieces of it. Um, there are certainly going to be opportunities for guys within Bloomington to uh, be able to do some of those things. And I think that you will see guys take advantage of those opportunities, but it seems like at least from an IU perspective right now, it's a little bit um, maybe not wait and see, I guess, but um, just kind of information gathering at this point and not, a, not a ton of activity. And I think in general, doesn't feel like you've heard as much about it. Everybody those first couple of days, like, oh, this guy, you know, this quarterback in the SEC, you know, did this sweet tea ad and somebody at North Carolina had something with a restaurant and did whatever. And like that stuff all happened pretty quickly. The Bohannon and the fireworks, of course. Yeah, we remiss not to, to mention that in a Big Ten one, but it seemed like that stuff all happened really fast. And then there hasn't been a whole lot else. Um, at least that's kind of made waves as, as different things are happening. So I think a lot more to be seen, but um, a lot of bark, maybe not a lot of bite so far to the uh, at the beginning. Yeah, the two things uh, with my initial thoughts uh, this past week is I, th I thought the bigger schools and the and the bigger athletes would dominate right away. Like people had, would have those players in mind and kind of working behind the scenes and and, and get deals. And and that really hasn't 
uh, really materialized on a great sense across the country. I, I read an article today on CBSSports.com about uh, Florida athletes uh, getting, um, you know, some endorsements. Uh, a booster at Miami is going to pay $500 per football scholarship uh, per month to advertise his uh, MMA fighting training facility. So you've heard some of those. But what has surprised me nationally is some of the uh, smaller college um, and maybe non um, revenue sport athletes that have been able to get deals. Uh, and some have been big. There was a basketball player uh, at an HBCU that got a million-dollar endorsement for for something I, I saw. So I think those are the outliers. Uh, and, and like you said, I think a lot of people are, are taking their time and making sure that they do things uh, correctly. And, and I think that's uh, really important. The other thing that really, uh, from my vantage point, that's impressive, and we, we both – talked about it in in our opening is the fact that Indiana is really here for for our student athletes and and preparing them uh, and doing a good job of of connecting with the open doors and I think it's all to us uh, the companies I've read about and again I, I'm sorry that I'm not as super well versed in that as as other uh, people we have on the show but that is impressive to me as, as an alum of the university is that we knew this was coming down the road we put things in place. Um, you know, Jeremy Grace put that they've been working on, tweeted that they've been working on it for 52 weeks uh, and not just two days before they were well ahead of the game. That's, that's just impressive. I, I know that doesn't win in, in a box score necessarily, but maybe down the road it does influence athletes to come and, and, and do things correctly. So those are a couple of thoughts. I, I want to go back to something you said in your opening, uh, Miller Cop, and, and I'm putting you on the spot. So I, uh, but I think the education that Indiana athletes are, are getting through Indiana University Athletics and Open Doors and other things is to do this correctly. And you had like a four-step process uh, that that uh, Miller Cop mentioned. Uh, and I think you're going to see a lot of athletes that that might be the correct way to handle this name, image, and likeness. Do you do you have that uh, available again? Yeah, I. I- I do. Uh, I'm, I'm almost, I almost got there. I had it pulled up before. And then of course I, uh, of course I stopped. Yeah. So basically the, the series of tweets that he had uh, was essentially, um, you know, to take advantage of this NIL is here to take advantage of this. I'll be putting out more content such as workouts, day-to-day activities, hobbies, teammate interactions, interviews, and much more. So that's kind of what we saw within his first vlog. So I guess maybe in retrospect, he was kind of teasing that a little bit, but he basically said, here's the four goals that I have. So one was be authentic. And he said, authenticity creates the right kind of opportunity. I'm looking to give my audience a clear look into my life as a college athlete. So uh, number two, tell my story. Athletes have hundreds and thousands of stories. I intend to share the stories of my audience in the most genuine way possible. I want to connect with the thousands of kids with the dream to play college basketball and help them achieve their dream. Three is engage. I want to engage with my audience from Indiana Bas- University basketball fans to my hometown family and friends and basketball lovers all over. And four was align. I want to align myself with brands, people, and businesses who respect my brand, my worth, and my future as well. Um, if you have suggestions as to what videos, content, you know, kind of soliciting some of that, gave people ways how to connect with him. And and then probably what IU fans liked most was he finished it up by saying, with that being said, always know that my work and dedication to the game of basketball will always come first. So I, it, it feels like, you know, kind of a microcosm of the stuff that we talked about that the athletic department is trying to do and, and trying to help out where giving people a plan to be successful and kind of play a little bit of the long game uh, opposed to, again, just kind of taking every, you know, the first thing that comes. So, you know, Miller puts out his first vlog this week, about, I think it was about four minutes long, some different behind the scenes stuff of a day going to practice and different things like that. 
um, showed him hitting a bunch of three pointers. So that makes everybody happy, uh, of course, but, um, kind of scratch the surface and, and, you know, I'm sure he'll look back and as he does more of these probably say, Oh, I wish I did this different or whatever, but he's kind of showing his process throughout, um, of different things. I think you'll see different, um, different segments of that as it goes. And so I was impressed with, um, the first one to put it together, depending upon how he's doing that and put it together, he's learning the skills to do that or working with the right people to kind of present things in a way that, that he wants. And then that, then I think opens up, um, what you, what I think we talked about a little bit before the show, which was, you know, he's kind of building out this brand. He talks about, I want to align with people who are in line with, with my beliefs and what I want to do. He's able to put that out and then figure out, okay, yeah. Can I get endorsements? Can I get ads? Can I do sponsorships through this, um, through this series after he gets a couple out, gives people an idea of what they're, you know, would be supporting and sponsoring and, um, whatever else. So I think it's an interesting approach. I, you know, whether other guys do similar things or everybody takes their own spin on it to, to try to do it. But I think you can kind of put that together with him and at least say, Hey, this is a, seems to be a plan in place that he's using to kind of get his voice out there, um, and open up the opportunities for himself and, and kind of get that, that there. So I think that was a, you know, a good approach. And again, kind of not sprinting right out of the gate, but trying to figure out, you know, what are different things and building some of that slowly. And I would imagine that's the the four step process that you mentioned there from Miller Cop is what is being shared with Indiana athletes. And, and the reason I say that is I, I I listen to a podcast and I know this is a, a person that no one likes on here, but Jeff Goodman uh, with his Field of sixty eight podcast. This was a month or so ago. Looking forward to the NIL release. They had someone on who was uh, specialized in this, and they talked about uh, exactly what Miller Cop is doing. And, and they said, you've got to be able to tell your story and then fit any of these um, endorsements in around telling your story. And they work with professional athletes and draft picks in the NFL. And they said, you know, the idea of a brand is really just telling your story. And that's what advertisers want. And if you build a, a brand, whether it's on social media or somewhere else, people are going to want to follow. Like that Miller Cop vlog was fun. And, and, and I know – I know people uh, know that I don't, I'm not a big fan of, of videos. I want, I want wins and losses, but it does give insight uh, into what the locker room looks like. Um, you know, a, a little bit of the relationship with the players. It's You saw the three-point shots going in. Those things will draw attention to Miller Cops social media, and the more people that come to his social media, then advertisers see that. And the long haul, as you as you said, then you get um, you get so much per – uh, engagement uh, with your with your social media, and so you can't just ha- be a social media person and all you do is advertise. You, you got to have a story, and, and that's, I know there was some concern here in the chat uh, about the brand. What does it mean a brand and all of those things? But I just you got to tell your story, and then you got to tell your story and endorse things that are are really who you're about, uh, and not just take a, a fifty dollar you know, gift card for free wings or whatever, because it's open to you. Uh, and, and so I, I, that, that was impressive. And I'm glad that you brought that up uh, in the opening segment and had that available here, because I think that's really what uh, professional consultants and agents who are involved with this are going to tell their athletes to make sure, you know, you're doing this, um, 
in in the long haul. So so that's pretty pretty impressive. Uh, the other, you know, what Parker Stewart had a food delivery uh, coupon that people could use. So he's going to get a, a piece of that. Was that GoPuff or something like that? You saw you saw athletes try to become barstool uh, athletes. I don't know what the uh, payment ar- agreement is with 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 barstool. Uh, something called Yoke Gaming, where you could play video games with athletes uh, for for a charge there there are all kinds of of things being thrown out as possibilities the one that i really think has uh some potential and i'm glad the players get a piece of it is uh i call it special moment gear like game winning shots like the watt shot you had watford shooting the three he could you know put his picture out there and sell and people would buy that and then watford gets some gets some money for that um, Penix, the dive to the pylon, key smart shot. Those are some of the things that those college athletes could have maybe profited from in the past. So those are some examples of, of what we've seen, uh, in, in the, so far in the first week, uh, Michael Penix, um, has signed with a company called Dreamfield and they, they organize his, um, appearances. And right now he is according to social media, $500 an hour for an appearance at your store or at your you know, uh, place of business, uh, which is quite a bargain compared to some other quarterbacks around. So those are some uh, name, image, likeness things that I've seen. Andy, uh, thoughts on on any of that um, as far as the first week here? Yeah, I think the the shirts and that kind of stuff that you you mentioned it was interesting because I think it was Matt Norlander that brought that up um, on on the the CBS podcast uh, maybe last week, right after it went live, and talked about some of the. You know, if you think about some of the NCAA tournament upsets, you know, UMBC was, I think, the one that he he brought up. Like, you know, how how could you merchandise stuff around uh, around that as a player to uh, you know to be able to do some of that that kind of thing? Um, you know, you think back to you know Vermont, the Sorrentine from the parking lot. Like, could you you know do do stuff like that where you could build out some some shirts and be able to do things like that? So I think those are um, some interesting. You know, capitalize on big moment. Uh, that would be out there, whether that's in the tournament or a big shot uh, during the season. I think, you know, you think about some of the Jimmer Fredette type stuff when he was a phenomenon, when he was at BYU, I think I ordered a shirt off somebody online that they'd, they'd made for that, that, you know, they were just making the shirt. He was not getting the cut of that, different things like that. So I think some cool opportunities there, both from, for the athlete's perspective and also for fans to be able to, um, you know, that's something people can buy and, and, and not spend a ton of money on versus some of these other things where you may not really be able to, do this, but also just ways for people to support student athletes that they like. Um, you know, if you get a, you know, get a shirt like that or something like that, again, it's something that you benefit from. They get a little cut of it and different things like that. So I, I, I was interested in that part of it um, as much as some of the other stuff, but yeah, I'll be curious as, you know, as more comes out and this gets a little bit more defined, some of the, maybe the astronomical numbers that are associated with some players, either making appearances or signing autographs or doing whatever, but um, just kind of fun to track at this point. It'd be interesting, like the uh, cameo, the audio clips. You know, uh, some of the things. How many players want to be involved with that? Uh, do you know who do they want to endorse? Uh, I've seen athletes across the country already. Um, you know, endorse fan pages on on Twitter and that. So you know, you, you can see that at what you charge fifty dollars or a hundred dollars to 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 do a, a tweet or an Instagram story or something to, to promote uh, web pages and something like that. Um, but the players, the issue for the players from my perspective is what to endorse and when to endorse it. And we've talked about long game versus short game. Do you take quick money uh, because someone knocks uh, on your door or 
that's an old man statement, hits you up in the DMs or, or whatever <laughs> happens with the young people. Um, you know, and then how to maintain your, your reputation. Uh, and then you get, you got to learn business issues, right? Uh, and, you know, some people brought that up as a negative. Well, these kids got to learn how to pay taxes. Well, you know what? I had to learn how to pay taxes when I was uh, 22 and started working uh, and probably a little bit earlier uh, when I had summer work as well. So I find those things to be real trivial, those negatives about NIL, the tax issues and kids learning that. I mean, if you can go to college and be on a college campus, you might not be able to figure out the 1040, but you're smart enough to go to you know someone who can figure it out. But the key thing, and I think this is- Go to Megan. She'll help Go to Megan, absolutely. That's what she needs to do. She needs to get herself uh, you know, in right. with the athletic department can be the, the official like tax advisor for these players. So uh, the, is managing the distraction. Um, and, and I don't find that to be a negative because you can't put players. I mean, we were in a, a bubble uh, and teams won and teams lost uh, and you have distractions on college campuses. It's called beer, you know, and, and you know, <laughs> parties and, you know, people you're attracted to. So there's distractions all, all around and, and your great athletes can show up and go to work and, and play the game. Your average athletes allow distractions to get in the way and don't prepare. Uh, this is just an additional distraction. Uh, but running your business, running your brand, I don't, I don't know that that'll be, uh, a, a distraction, um, from the player issue. Any thoughts on, on some of those things that, that we may have heard about NIL? Yeah, I, uh, to me, that's part of life. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're having to to manage different responsibilities and prioritize things, and um, not overextend yourself to to try to do you know get caught up sponsoring too many different things or having too many appearances where you're kind of running yourself ragged. I mean that. I mean, maybe there will be hiccups for people as part of that, but to me, that is ultimately part of the learning experience. No different than the tax piece, right? Like you're going to have to learn to do that at some point in the not too distant future when you're a student in, in college. And for those who are working and putting themselves through college and some of those things, that's something people are already doing. Right. So uh, to, to me, as long as that's, again, this goes back to IU and, and based on what they've done so far, I don't think there's a reason to believe they don't have a support system in place to help people with those things. Because yes, those, some of those things are new concepts to, um, to, to these folks, but I don't think it's, Certainly, it shouldn't be presented as a reason not to do something. Um, and as much as a, as as much of a learning experience as anything, at least the way that I look at it, and a, you know, introduction to figuring some things out. And and I think there'll be lessons learned from from players, from people who are sponsoring the players, from all around. I mean, it's a it's uncharted territory in that regard, but um, I think it provides um, some some good opportunities for them, both financially, but also just from a life skills standpoint. So. Feel like there, we're there will be guys like sitting on our porch, like yeah. yelling at people at this point. But I mean, I, I mean, I, I guess I don't know. Uh, yeah, just just to act like these kids can't handle that or these young adults can't handle that, I think is doing them a disservice as well. That it's going to be too much for them to handle. They have to figure that out. We all have to figure those things out. Absolutely, and it's education uh, about a lot of things, you know. Um, and you're going to endorse the wrong product, or you're going to, you know, do something, and it's going to backfire on you. And through those struggles, you're going to learn that okay, I shouldn't have done that, and uh, and move on. And and you're going to find good deals, and you're going to find bad deals. You're going to engage with people who want to take advantage uh, of who you are and things like that. But that's that's what happens uh, every day to to a lot of us as as we go to work and enter into contracts. 
contracts and deals. So, you know, if, if you're going to benefit, uh, there, there's some learning in, in this. Um, some other things that I've, I've heard and, and read in articles that are some concerns is, uh, what's it going to do to team chemistry? And, and is someone going to be jealous of someone making the extra money? Well, those issues have been around forever. If you're the ninth man and the, and the guy ahead of you scoring 20 points a game and the coach is calling plays for him all the time, uh, that can be a potential problem. The best teams have a way to get through that. Uh, and, and coaches have a way to try to manage that. So those issues are around, uh, all the time. Anyway, I, I don't think that this adds an additional problem with that. Uh, the, the one that'll be interesting to me that I read about this week is does the advertising money, start to dwindle from the athletic departments and, and, and does it hurt some of the non-revenue sports uh, that, that benefit from some of this advertising money? Cause the advertising money is going directly to players instead of the athletic programs. I don't know. Um, I don't know how much money is going to flow into this. Obviously the Miami uh, booster, who's going to pay $540,000 a year to 90 football players uh, at $500 a month if he was given two hundred, three hundred thousand to the Miami Athletic Department, that may have an impact um, somewhat. But I think that's something you just got to work through. Yeah, it's an interesting thought. I, you know, you could see some of that, but it's also these from a company perspective. You know, as I think about maybe individual boosters, maybe that's not true, and and maybe there's some. And I think a lot of people have made the point of, well, this money was getting to them under the table. Now it's just over the table. But from a company perspective, you know, there's a lot of people, a lot of companies who want to be associated with IU sports. And that will go on after the players that, that are there now have left. So I don't know how much of your funding that you have for that kind of thing that you really want to flow into people who won't be there for a lengthy period of time versus I think there may be some other things that, you know, from an individual player standpoint. So I, maybe that's not thinking of it the right way, but I, I don't know that that will have a huge impact on it. And I think to your point, the whole, you know, this guy's making a lot more than the next guy, you know, in some form or fashion, that, that kind of stuff has, is already taking place, whether it's playing time, whether it's whatever, I think you're going to have those kinds of things. I think it was Titus, uh, Titus and Tate. They, they talked about, that part of it as well, or maybe it was a CBS, maybe it was both, but yeah, I, I mean, there's always those kinds of dynamics in terms of the team. You know, I think guys know the, the general, like, you know, pecking order of, of different guys. So I, I, I don't think that's there. I think, I think if there are issues with that, it probably speaks to other issues that were already there with the team, that that just exaggerates things that were uh, maybe already flawed about that. And um, so I, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's going to, have a huge hit to team chemistry. Um, cause if it does, I'm not so sure that the foundation that the chemistry was built on was, was all that strong to begin with, but yeah, that's um, my two cents on that piece, at least th- there was a question that came through. I, I, I believe, um, on Periscope or something. Corey, it's a really good question. Do you think some schools will push players away from getting involved in NIL to focus on the sport? And, and I don't think they'll push them away, but I think it's just like anything. As a head coach, you're responsible for them making good decisions. So it's no different than saying, hey, you know what? You, you need to be better academically. You need to show up doing grade checks, making sure people are showing up for class. You're going to have someone in your on your staff or in the athletic department that's monitoring this, these NILs and the activities. And if some Someone is a distraction. If I'm a coach and someone's distracted because they're out, 
you know, they're late to practice because they're taking a vlog or doing a video, we're going to have a conversation. Uh, and I, I, I'm not going to say, Hey, you got to stop doing that. You got to prioritize your time. And it goes back to the whole educational thing that we're talking about. Uh, in order, in order to make money on this, the players are going to have to be successful and the teams are going to have to be successful at some point. So you can't sacrifice your, your weight training, uh, your individual work, your teamwork, uh, to, to be this NIL person. So I don't know that coaches will push people away, uh, from, uh, the NIL, um, I, I do think that it is something that coaches are going to have to address that they didn't have to uh, maybe in the past if it does become a distraction. Yeah, I, I would agree with what you said. I think it's something to monitor. But, again, I think the assumption is is made that guys have their priorities in the right order and team success builds opportunities for individual things like that to happen. But um, – and it seems like a number, I mean, like I said, the Miller cops said that I think Xavier Johnson, you know, put something out there as well. Like, don't let this stuff get in the way of what the ultimate goal really is. And so I think that speaks a little bit to the character and the mindset of the the kids. I, I, I don't think it's a good look for the school to try to push people away from that as opposed to, again, the kind of educational piece of, Hey, you need to, you know, because the university is going to keep, you know, have a, it'll be like a compliance person in some regard, probably of kind of monitoring all this stuff. And so they see somebody maybe start to get overextended or do some things like that. Then I think you've got somebody who can maybe call that out and rein them in a little bit. But again, I think that's part of the education process of, you know, putting a framework in place where they can be successful uh, in doing this without distracting from other priorities from in the classroom, on the, on the court, on the field, stuff like that. So I think that's, a little bit of the university job, but I also think things start to come out where it's, Hey, the coach said I couldn't do this or certain things. You know, I think there's probably boundaries though, in terms of, Hey, this time is what we're doing for basketball. If you're going to do these things, here's, you know, some guidelines to use around that kind of stuff. I think that part is totally fine to set some, you know, ground rules around it. But I, I think ultimately you probably do yourself a disservice as a staff in a university by, really trying to limit what people can do because at some point that just gets used against you from a recruiting standpoint. And um, Phil Davis had a question. We're going to move it up from section three into this one because it's about the NIL. Um, and, and we've talked about the first piece of it, uh, the, changing the college basketball landscape, but he ended with, do you think it'll help or hurt IU? Your, your thoughts, Andy, does this ultimately, does IU benefit from NIL more than other programs in your opinion? I mean, whether it's, you know, where, where they kind of fall in the pecking order, I don't know, but I think they definitely benefit from it toward the top end, from a, particularly from a basketball standpoint, right? I mean, we, when, when you think about the fan base and, and all of the support that the team gets, um, I think you've got a, a kind of fertile ground to uh, be able to get some of those endorsements because there's so much support and exposure of the program. Uh, at that point. So I think in that regard, it just will generate a lot of opportunities because of how big IU basketball is within the Bloomington community, within Indiana uh, and things like that. So I think that inherently leads to more, just more opportunities for more players uh, to be able to do that. So I think in that regard, it's a positive thing. The tradition becomes a positive, the the overall following of the program um, becomes a, becomes a positive in the same way that it does at other you know, top end schools as you would um, look at it that way. So I think it, I think it helps um, a, a lot more than, than any bad that would come of it. 
I, I think um, it, it helps. Uh, I think both in in football with the LEO stuff, but the Cuban Center helps a ton too. That can produce some of this stuff and and teach people how to do things. And then you know, uh, Lene Phillips and Jeremy Gray have been on top of this stuff. They're just wonderful people working really hard to help uh, promote uh, Indiana basketball, Indiana football, all of the programs. Um, and so I think that trickles down also to your non-revenue sports. So I, I think Indiana is a name. And I think the success in basketball and the brand and, and Forbes come out a couple of weeks ago and said, it's the third, uh, you know, most, you know, popular brand, uh, in, in college basketball. I think that that trickles down and helps. Um, so, okay. So coming up on our, in our third segment, we'll do some subscriber shout outs, then answer your non-basketball questions and basketball questions. Plus the mediocre question of the week from Jay Horry. Stick around with us here on The Assembly Call. This is James Blackman Jr. I never miss an open three, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. Go Hoosiers. Welcome back. I'm the coach, Brian Tonsoni, here with Andy Bottoms, and it's uh, segment three, uh, which can mean only one thing. Subscriber shout-out, subscriber shout-out. Our first subscriber shout-out comes from Owensboro, Kentucky. It's Darren Faulkner. Darren's favorite Hoosier of all time is Steve Alford, which means Darren must have been very frustrated the last few seasons watching Indiana shoot like it did. Darren's assembly call leader is everyone. He wrote, quote, they're all great, too close to call. And for a special acknowledgement, Darren wrote, quote, looking forward to the upcoming season with Coach Woodson. Like that we're getting back to our roots with Woodson and Fife. Uh, thank you, Darren. I couldn't agree uh, more on your last comment there. Our second subscriber shout out comes from the home of Calbert Chaney and Christian Lander, Evansville, Indiana. It's Sally Henderson. Sally's favorite Hoosier is Joe Hillman for the same reason coach is her favorite member of the assembly call. As Sally wrote quote, that Joe Hillman has the best backside of all IU players since 1983. Uh, when I really started looking, Okay, Sally. Thank you. I don't know uh, when, or I'm not going to, I'm just going to keep reading the script. Um, Sally made me blush on assembly call. Um, for her assembly call leader, Sally chose coach. Thanks, Sally. In addition to his Hillman-esque posterior, she writes that coach is, quote, more my age and temperament. I get him and he gets basketball. Uh, parentheses, Andy doesn't get to talk enough or he might be my first choice. Uh, so the lesson here is Andy talk more and Ryan uh, shut up more so Andy can talk more. Um, thank you, Sally. Um, Woo. Yeah. You got a little hot. Hopefully this episode has has – yeah, we've gotten. Uh, I've gotten to talk more tonight, Sally. So hopefully that, uh, hopefully that doesn't change her mind, and she wants yeah, it to go back to being less. I don't know. I guess, we'll, been I guess to, we'll find out. We'll wait for a follow up. Trying to reduce the size of my backside, but not not anymore. If uh, <laughs> Sally appreciates that, so thank you, Sally. Okay, it's uh, time for uh, the rest of our mailbag. All questions were submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about and join at assemblycall.com backslash um, community. It's not that good, but it's not that bad. It's Jay's Mediocre Question.
right. Uh, I, I hung out with Jay on Tuesday night at a comedy club, and it wasn't mediocre. Uh, but his questions are mediocre, and we do have one submitted from Jay. Uh, but anytime you get a chance to hang out uh, uh, with Jay and his lovely wife, Hillary, it's a great, great evening. But Jay's mediocre question is this. It's straight from the best show ever made, Ted Lasso. If you had to sacrifice, throw it in a fire, uh, one meaningful item to end the IU Basketball National Championship curse what would that item be? It doesn't have to be IU related. It just has to mean something to you. That's tough. I, 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 that is a tough question. I, I thought of it initially more from an IU perspective. I guess if I was thinking from a IU memorabilia standpoint, I do have a, there's a hat I have. They got autographed by Calvert Chaney and Greg Graham that I, and I think I've gotten a couple other guys to, to autograph over time. I think Knight might be on there as well. I guess that might be the kind of piece of memorabilia I'd have that I would, I would add to that. I don't know if I have a, I don't, I don't feel like I have a great answer for that. I, you got anything, anything uh, better? I might throw I my, you kind of scanning the, yeah, scanning, scanning the room. The man cave here. <laughs> I might throw my uh, tailgate bar in the old fire. If I can get a national championship and we'll just burn it at the tailgate spot in a big bonfire celebrating after we run down to the fountain. So um, that, that, that might be uh, the answer um, there. Um, all right, so let's move through these. I think there might have been one on uh, t- Twitter, Andy, too, if you could get the Assembly Call um, Twitter account up. I, I didn't copy yep. that on if you would do that. Uh, but anyway, Terrence um, Kensel says, uh, what is the status of the IU exhibition games this summer? Also, with the games beyond the radio, I heard IU is supposed to face some decent competition. Is this true? Um, I think there, there's two games scheduled for the Bahamas. Uh, the competition is a, a team. Uh, a, is it a pro team? I believe. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I think that's the case. So the competition is is pretty good. I do not believe there will be radio or television coverage. The only way to see IU is to travel down to the Bahamas, which they do have uh, packages available, I think, through Indiana uh, at this time. Um Anything you know about the exhibition games? Uh, yeah, I don't believe, at least the last that I saw, um, that there was going to be coverage of any kind, much to um, probably everyone's uh, everyone's chagrin. But uh, I, you know, I'd imagine they'll do some video stuff after the fact. But I don't believe there's going to be any kind of like live broadcast on uh, BTN or anything of that nature. So uh, I, that's that's really all that I know. I do think to your point, it is a professional team. I forget from which, uh, from what country, but I do think competition wise should be, um, should be a a relatively good test. I think one of the things that came out, uh, as I'm thinking through it, when, when they first, uh, uh, announced it was one that they weren't playing a ton of games. Cause I think you have the opportunity to play more and two that there weren't some, teams that you would surely beat up on uh in that scenario but again i don't know what your options are in terms of like having the the how many teams would come so yeah there are definitely travel packages i think the university's putting together to do it to go down to atlanta so if you really want to watch the games and you've got the uh extra extra money i think that's your best bet i don't believe there'll be any other streams or or really anything that's there i would imagine there'll be some media there to cover it. i think alex said uh that tyler tashman is going down to cover it for inside the hall. So you'll be able to get some recaps and stuff like that from those outlets, but I don't know that there'll be a great way to watch or listen to it. Chat mob seems to think it's a team, a pro team from Serbia. So 
Um, but it's going to be uh, really. Good. We should throw these questions to the chat mob. They have yeah, a lot just have them answer, and we'll just, we'll just read they them. got like yeah <laughs> Serbia. This one, uh, yeah, that it's on some other channel. I you can only have limited clips. So yeah. uh, knowledgeable yeah, so group we, in this chat mob. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Lee Butler uh, brings up the University of Miami supporter, uh, guaranteeing to 500 per month, and he has has the bidding for football, basketball players' talents uh, begun. I, I'll mention it's always been there. Um, you know, supposedly before the NIL, you know, your five stars went to Kentucky and Duke and whatever. Um, and whether you believe there were bag drops or not, or money under the table or not, the best athletes have gone to uh, the better programs. Uh, Alabama gets a lot of good athletes, whether that's been above the board or not. Uh, I don't think that's changed. Um, uh, I do think it'll influence uh, people. Um, your thoughts on, is it a bidding war or is it just something else to add to the recruiting uh landscape yeah I, I tend to think it's it's a bit more of the you know some of the under under the table stuff just becoming more out in the open uh, the the miami thing is is interesting um because you you certainly wonder if other schools will try to follow suit or do do similar things but um i i don't know that if you wanted to round up that money and funnel it to somebody before that that you had that much trouble doing it so um, I think that's something people can do and, and you may see more of that, but I, I don't know that it me, uh, worried that much more, you know, it, it doesn't make me feel any differently about the NIL stuff than, than I did before I, I knew about it, I guess. Um, Robert Creighton asks, um, are we watching the NBA free throw shooters? Uh, his observation is, uh, that the arch of the ball, uh, has to enter the hoop at 45% or more. Uh, then they make 90% of their free throws. This is common knowledge. So why do coaches not concentrate on teaching this skill? I see no evidence that they are doing so. Uh, a flat shot or a bullet shot has zero tolerance. Um, and there are electronic devices uh, to chart that. Why don't uh, uh, the schools spend money for that? Uh, Robert, I, I, I don't know a coach that has taught any kind of shooting that doesn't teach you know proper arc on the basketball. Uh, and there are all kinds of um, – devices now that measure it i would imagine the colleges have what they feel that they need um it, it just comes down to maybe uh if you wanted to find some fault in a coach is do they do they put into practice um free throws under stress how much do they emphasize free throw sh uh, shooting as a valuable tool that's probably more uh, of of why you would maybe find fault in a coach for free throw shooting uh, for his team, uh, but I don't know someone from youth coaches to whoever um, who who doesn't um, use that common knowledge, uh, and and that's one of the quick fixes when when someone is is missing. Um, Phil, Davis, yeah, I think I think ahead. I think to your point, coach. Just 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 real quick. I mean, I think two things are are at play. Some of those are you know like. To, to your point, some of the late game fatigue situations where your form kind of uh, slacks a little bit um, can lead to some. But I also think, you know, you get into the NBA, a lot of these guys, like it, it, it emphasizes the importance of, of focusing on shot form early and not letting that deteriorate because the older you are and the further you get, like you're not going to rework somebody's shot once they're in the NBA, at least not very often you're not. Uh, or not successfully, you could certainly try. Um, so it just kind of puts the emphasis back on those kinds of fundamentals because when you get into bad habits in those scenarios, I mean, it's no different than any other part of life as we all get older. If you get into bad habits, they get harder and harder to get out of as you, as you go forward with that. So I don't, I don't know that it's a lack of emphasis or 
um, or the, that kind of thing. But I, I just think it's some, some of it is just habits that, that guys really struggle to break. And if you're, a, you know, it's one of the things I talk about with you know, kind of projecting as the NBA, if you're a bad free throw shooter in, in college, they don't really project that you're able to become a decent three point shooter as you move to the, to the next level and some of those kinds of things. And I think there's reasons to believe that when you, you, you look at some of the habits and, and things like that. Um, Rick Watson, what recruit recent recruits have IU missed out on? I know Justin Taylor has Kyle Filipowski decided to go somewhere. Someone mentioned he might have. I know he went to visit. I said something Duke. about Duke, but I, I said something about Duke, but I I, I looked it up. I did not see yet. anything that said a commitment that I that I saw. So but. the only one so far that is committed somewhere else that has been on a visit or uh, had us in the top right now, I think, is Justin Taylor, the only one who's decided to go somewhere else um, yeah and then colvin committed to purdue this week right. so i know iu had offered him we talked about that a couple weeks ago but i don't know that IU. i don't know where iu was on his his radar so i don't know that i'd count that in the mist the same way that like taylor had iu in his final five or whatever it was but yeah i i i, I double checked that i didn't miss something on filipowski but i don't believe he's committed anywhere at this point um, we're getting down to Phil and, and I'm not sure which uh, recruit you were ended up talking about Phil in, in the community you had a couple, but I'm just going to talk in general about, uh, when, when you hear, uh, certain things that go on in the recruiting, uh, about, um, advisors or their group of people of when someone was offered or if I, you offered a, a certain player before someone else, um, what, what are my thoughts? I, personally Phil, if I hear that a player is upset of when he gets an offer, uh, then I think he ought to go somewhere else. That, that's just old coach Tonsoni, you know, uh, son, you better be blessed that Indiana offered you. If it's too late, keep it to yourself and go somewhere else. Um, but the fact that, uh, you're only going to go to a school, obviously you're going to go to a school that has a longer relationship. So that's going to be a factor. And I don't have a problem with that. Um, but getting upset because someone else was offered before you, uh, that, that does speak volumes to me as a concern. But the other thing is I'm old. Um, and a lot of these kids and a lot of their coaches and AAU, um, they, they all have egos and we all have egos. Coaches have egos too. And, and sometimes with social media, you fire off something that you hear right away and, and you, it's kind of hard to pull that back. And then everyone takes a screenshot of it. So there's a lot more to the character of these recruits than just a single tweet or, or something that we hear in social media. That's, that's awful hard for me, uh, Phil, to, to, to understand because I, I do think, um, I, I, I do think character matters. Uh, and I think character matters sometimes before you even push the, the first tweet button. Um, you know, I, I have uh, old man issues with some of that, but sometimes, you know, um, you know, you got to give kids second, third chances and, and people around them. And, and sometimes you don't hold the kid accountable for the advisors or parents. If you go to an AAU tournament, man, the parents are screaming and yelling. I, I know some coaches won't recruit players because of that, but you got to look at the kid uh, and, and over the long haul over or certain things. But in general, if someone's really bothered by, you know, who talked to who first, then, then they're going to have problems with playing time and practice and, and things like that. So, uh, you had a couple names in there and I'm just going to keep those names out of it, but whoever that was, that, that would be a concern if it was genuinely a problem. If it was just a, a one-off quick tweet by someone, then, then I would dismiss it a little bit. Andy, any thoughts on that? I, no, I don't, I don't really have anything to add other than what you said on that one. We can, we can move along. 
Um, Valerie uh, said the Delta variant of COVID-19 has me worried. I'm worried that the folks will be excluded from games to prevent from beginning super spreader events. I know you can't really answer this, but it has me concerned since Indiana is near the bottom of the percentage of population vaccinated. All, your thoughts on that real quick. Um, I think it's probably too early to, uh, to tell um, how, how that will impact things. So I think at this point, uh, certainly for, you know, fall sports football, I think being outside helps a, a lot of the, uh, a lot of those kinds of things. And then I'm sure the university will reassess where things are at that point, but I, I don't feel like I know enough to, uh, feel worried or anything else as we, as we go forward and, and, and look at it that way. So I'm trying to be optimistic that things will, uh, will work out as everything rolls around and be able to, to have things in person, uh, and crowds back and, and all those kinds of things. I know Indiana and a lot of places are um, at 100% capacity or planning for 100% capacity. I think we just got to r- roll with that. Um, I-, I will say, Valerie, that some of the the recent news about you know uh, some of this does have you wondering if in in two or three months in in certain areas that there, there's a uh, a pullback. Uh, I will deal with that when it happens. Uh, but right now, I was ha- glad to go to the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, with my son, who's a Cardinals fan, and, and being uh, a pro stadium and hotel and restaurants and bars. We're going to a concert next week. Um, I made the choice to get vaccinated. That has freed me up uh, quite a bit um, to, to go to um, these these types of places. So that's just my personal choice. Uh, I, think, um, I think we'll be okay, hopefully, in the fall. Uh, I need that uh, tailgate bar to be moving south um, real quick. I, I miss everyone there. Um, IU Artifacts uh, asked, will the crew make a triumphant return to B-Town sometime during the hoop season? Um, I think the answer is yes, Andy. I think we certainly hope so. Uh, we'll see the schedule and kind of figure things out, but that, that is our, uh, that would be my intention at least at this point. So hopefully it, uh, hopefully it works out that way. Um, uh, and, uh, Chris, I'll be down quite a few times to football and I'm going to be down a couple times in summer. I'll have to hit you up and, uh, we'll get together. Uh, Ken Overby says of Galloway, Leo Lander and Geronimo, who is most likely to see appreciable more minutes this season. I think this uh, Lander feels like the, the clear choice here. Uh, to me, at least I think, you know, the year of experience kind of getting a little bit more, um, you know, having, having some more opportunities, being able to maybe play alongside, uh, maybe he plays alongside Xavier Johnson. Just, so I, I think Woodson is going to be able to put him in a better position to be successful based on his skill set and his background, his recruiting pedigree. Maybe we'll find out that that was not right in the first place when all is said and done. But I think if you still believe in that kind of stuff, and I think he showed enough flashes last year to suggest that he can be an effective player, um, then I think it's going to be him. Now, the backcourt's a little crowded when you got uh, other guys who could be primary ball handlers, but if Finnessy moves off the ball a little bit more, um, feels like him. I think Geronimo's one that could take a, a a leap depending upon how Woodson wants to play. I think he gives him some options defensively if he can continue to shoot it uh, reasonably well. Um, I think that, that he'd be the other possibility, uh, at least in my view, those would be – I'd probably rank them one and two. Um, I think Lander, because I think Woodson likes his guards. Um, 
to attack, and I think he can use Lander's uh, ability and maximize his attack. But I would not be surprised to see Geronimo. I think he's got uh, an NBA type of body. I think he can guard uh, the four and the three, and I, I think he might be a surprise, uh, get some surprise minutes uh, at the four uh, spot and, and use his athleticism. Uh, I just, I, I think a lot of times we think of the other uh, players on the on that freshman. Um, recruiting class, and I just think Geronimo um, might pop uh, this season. Um, Jeff Marlowe, Coach Marlowe, said, um, IU football now has a top 25 recruiting class uh, for the class of 22. How excited about you uh, or are you about the trajectory of IU football under Coach Allen? I mean, it's pretty – pretty wild the success they've continued to have on the recruiting front and i think they're doing a great job of capitalizing on the momentum that they had from last year and leo and everything that goes with it uh so i think what you what you really did not want to see was somehow not being able to to really capitalize on on the momentum that they had uh despite the way the season ended in the bowl game and and all those kinds of things so it seems like they've been able to continue to uh progress in that way uh, at, at a minimum competing with uh some some big names on the recruiting trail from a uh a, a, an opponent university standpoint and being them out in in some of these scenarios as well which is um n- not not territory it, it, with which IU has operated too often uh in the past but I I think there's a lot of excitement there for uh for both this year's team and the future with the way things are going with coach Allen it is the recruiting is just solidifying. I, I, I've been real slow to Coach Allen, and, and I know that I'm on the very um, far end of that, and, not, and, and a lot of people aren't with me on that. I've just been very slow. Uh, the results on the field have been tremendous and moved me uh, towards that. This recruiting deal is just solidifying that. I thought they really handled the change in offensive coordinators well. I think they're going to handle the change in defensive coordinators this well, this year well. It, it, it I think seven and five, eight and four is a continuation of uh, of uh, the great progress. So you know, I don't need to see ten and two or nine and three if if that's the case. I think that'll be uh, fantastic. But uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of excited to get back into Memorial Stadium and and see uh, the Hoosiers. I, I'll be uh, at Kinnick Stadium in Iowa, uh, so we're going to travel out there for the first game, and, and we're looking um, to that. Our last question is from on Twitter. Uh, the handle, uh, ghost of a ghost, uh, who would win? Um, if we split up the squads, the returning team of Lander Fennessy, Leo Galloway, Jordan race, and TJD versus the new guys, X scoop Parker cop, Duncan and Durr. That is not easy. So there were, yeah. So it was part of this. Part of this question, he had flagged some guys as starters, but there were not five on on each team, so I wasn't really sure about that. So I'm just going to take it that it's a five on five right. uh, contest between between the two. Yeah, it's it's definitely a. It's interesting that the returnees would have a huge advantage inside with Race and TJD uh, going up against Durr, who's got some experience, but I'm not sure how well he would match up with TJD Duncan. You know, do you play cop on race Thompson, something like that? So that becomes a little bit, a little bit tricky in that regard. But on the flip side of that, the shooting of the new team and the perimeter play between uh, shooting wise, scoop 
Parker and Cobb plus Xavier Johnson running the point would make it uh, would make it interesting. As Ghost of a Ghost says, the take is close, but the point is there's a general upgrade on talent in the roster, which is uh, which is amusing. So I think that that part is good. I guess if I had to, uh, I guess I'd take the returnees just because they got a little more experience, they got a little more depth. Figure I'll take the best the team with the best player in TJD. So I guess I'll take the the returning guys. What about you? I'm going with the new team because it's a guards game, uh, and, and I like our I like all 13 of our guys. So it's kind of hard for me to sit here, but um, you you got to be able to handle the ball. You got to be able to shoot the ball, and I think uh, Durr being a seven footer would make TJD's uh, life a little difficult uh, inside. Uh, and I, I just think Cop and and Parker and. Tamar Bates and that that would be even though uh Finnessy um defensively is there, I, I just think um college basketball is a guards game and uh I, I would take uh, the new team. But I, I do agree that it's extremely close uh for all the reasons uh you stated. That's it. We're done. No more questions. Well, that'll do us for this week's episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing a lot of the music that you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next week or sooner if anything breaks. Until then, take it from me, Yogi Farrell. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. You might get beat today, but each day you got to get better. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate it. Can't wait to see you on the sidelines. Thanks, everyone, for uh, tuning in on a summer night, Thursday night. And uh, Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate everybody joining us. Lots of good, Lots of good questions for sure. That that's been a big and, uh, and plus this off and lots of help it really has the, and lots of help from the the chat and answering the questions. Too, yeah, yeah, we important. have to give credit to the real that we don't uh, that we don't think about. The, the 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 real truth is in the people who sit back there and can either know or can quickly uh, find the answers for us. So uh, we do appreciate that. But in all honesty, the members of the community and and Twitter, the, those questions have been coming in in the off season. The off season is very difficult. Uh, sometimes to get in a flow of of topic after topic after topic, so dependent on what breaks uh, news wise, we've been we don't want to go through it too much. We were a little bit fortunate with the uh, coaching change and, and some of the the recruiting stuff coming in and out uh, to give us some stuff in in the spring. But uh, in the summer, it gets a little um, a little tough to find topics, uh, and your questions are always uh, a way to to end the show on a, on a good note. So we we thank you for that. Yeah, for a while there, it felt like the the flow of news was going to be constant and, and everything there for those few weeks. It was, yeah. it was pretty quite crazy. But uh, yeah, it has it has in some ways good, uh, kind of kind of leveled off a little bit and get everybody get the get the team in, in Bloomington and. Uh, I think what do we have work. coming up? The schedule is the next news. Um, to break and then um, whenever they decide to I think start- so. Somebody, yeah, somebody put in the chat it that. Yeah, somebody put in the chat about the schedule that uh, um, 
that typically IU didn't release their full schedule. Well, obviously the full schedule, they wouldn't until the big 10 does theirs, which is around labor day, which I think actually, now that I, I think about it is correct. I think there's a lot of other schools who announced their non-conference piece of their schedule and then just kind of wait and tack the other stuff on. Um, but I, it, it doesn't feel like IU typically does that. Now the, the flip side of that is there's, um, you know, there's, there's another team they're playing in every game. So as other teams release their non-conference schedules, you might be able to piece together, uh, certain aspects of that, which I think has been the case in the past. So be curious if we at least get news on another couple games that they would have uh, as they as they uh, kind of compile the non-conference piece of things. A little bit of recruiting news might break here and there as um, the, the last open periods uh, flow here in July. At least, you know, we'll get Dane Fife tweeting about uh, uh, what media members are angling for uh, their spots in the sidelines of uh, the Peach Jam and everything else. I thought that was... Uh, uh, a fun exchange from uh, Coach Fife, and then um, the ten practices. Hopefully, we'll hear some things and have some media availability when uh, they start their practices uh, for the Bahamas trip. And at least we'll have some of that to talk about in the fall. And then, then before you know it, um, it'll be back to uh, regular stuff. So, yeah, not too long for your trip to Iowa City, even for football side of things. So. Yeah, I got to get tickets. Kathy Amos uh, bought tickets, and um, I haven't got my tickets yet because I was waiting to see if Amy's going to be able to go and want to go, and I think she is. So we got our hotel room, and uh, that's a fun place. I've been two or three times. So Awesome. Did you listen to the Crean interview on Hoosier Hysterics? I did. I did. I didn't, but uh, anything was, interesting? Um, I mean, there's. Uh, I, I find that most any of those that I listen to, there'll always be a few interesting nuggets. I think there's certainly some who probably don't have a strong desire to hear uh, a lot of what he has to say, but there, it, uh, there was interesting, interesting parts of it. Um, I, I you know, I, I, I don't. It, it. it I don't think it's going to change people's opinion of him one way or the other. I guess I'll put it that way. And I, I don't, I don't really mean that to be a, a negative about it, but I, I, I don't think there's a lot there that's going to change, uh, change people's opinions of him is probably the, the, the way to put it. But uh, so anyway, I, I guess, I, I guess that's maybe the easiest thing to say. All righty. Well, that'll do it for us, everyone. I got to get this off uh, for production. Uh, we do appreciate you uh, keep in touch um yeah richie uh richie uh, in the chat mob got seats right next to me so he can make sure i get i make it in that's his main job now is to make sure i'm on track uh to make it into the games and he can carry me into section 11 row 30 so richie glad you got seats uh seats next to me that's that's gonna be a good thing uh coming up this (laughs) fall so all right everybody good night you're the kind of person who makes a difference at work So why not work on something that makes a difference? At Zooks, we're looking for collaborative, inquisitive people who can help us achieve our mission. Safer, cleaner, more enjoyable mobility for everyone. Come build the future at Zooks. Find out more at zoox.com slash careers. Unexpected trouble? CashNet USA can take the stress out of borrowing emergency funds. 
Our fast, secure application process makes it easy to apply online 24-7. Plus, CashNet USA offers same-day funding if approved before 10.30 a.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday. Additional terms may apply. Visit CashNetUSA.com or tap the banner to apply today. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.